0: It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
1: I'm Anthony Wiener, and thank you for meeting me in the middle, an hour every Saturday or two, when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right, and we try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation. Enough, we're going to be here until 3 o'clock, Then Curtis will comes in for left versus right. He and I are going to talk about that CUNY speech controversy. We're going to figure out how to save the whales. Yeah, we get a lot covered here on a Saturday. You can listen to us on wabcradio.com. You can always hear this as a podcast. You can reach out to me the easiest way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You can email me, wienerwabc at gmail.com. The Twitter handle is at repwiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R. And it's really great to have you along here on this cloudy day. You can also... Listen to us on the app that we have that allows you to listen to all of our programs, also has access to all the podcasts. I mentioned that one because my dad is listening on the app right now in the ICU in Methodist Hospital. He is, uh, a lot of you have written uh, little notes to me. I really appreciate it. He's struggling a good deal. He's wrestling with a lot of stuff. He's, you know, he's uh, he's 89. I think I mentioned when I spoke to John Matitis on Memorial Day, he was a member of the the presidential honor guard, he was uh, representing the army. He would go out to Fort Myer and keep up the flags and, and uh, things like that at the uh, at the cemetery. And um, he's struggling over there. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. We spent, spent a, little, a lot of time with him at his bedside. He's got a lot of different things going on. They're giving him great care at Methodist. And so keep him in his prayers. He's listening on the app. So, um I hope he's uh, he's doing better, going to go probably see him this afternoon. Not a great, I'll be honest with you, not a great week in the Wiener household in general. I mentioned last week I had a banged up back, and, and a, a listener told me what I had, which was sciatic nerve, whatever damage, and that is, so I have to stand up every once in a while and walk around, and I have to walk very slowly, and frankly, I have to do everything very slowly, and, you know, I, I'm a believer in the notion of I am exactly where I'm supposed to be at this moment, that... That acceptance of what's going on, acceptance of my position. In this case, it means accepting that I just can't move very quickly, acceptance that I can't go to the gym every day, that I'm going to missing hockey and it's a little hard for me to keep up with Jordan. Um, but I'm living a lot of gratitude because I know people are dealing with a lot worse. Uh, so tonight, I know I'm on a strict, a strict prohibition of talking about hockey, but it is the Stanley Cup finals start tonight. And just to make it more like, you know, acceptable to, to the conservative talk radio stuff that we do here. Two states with no income tax, Nevada and Florida are in the finals. The, the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas has only been around, I think for eight years now, six years now. And this is the, you know, they're, they're this is their second time in the Stanley cup finals. I think they're going to win, put Vegas down six games. Florida, if the, the Florida is the popular pick people's, People are liking them. They they squeak, squeaked in, and um, they're doing well. And I'm looking forward to the Stanley Cup, probably watching with Jordan tonight. So let's do some of the numbers of the week. So the numbers of the week I do every week. It's a way to kind of bring some context to the news through some numbers, a good one, a really great one, 339,000. That's how many jobs were added in the last month. I mean, the economy is really buzzing along quite well. And they even went back, and, and March and April's totals were revised upward. For a net gain of another 93,000, the unemployment rate ticked up a little bit. I'm not quite sure how that math works. You know, people who are looking who aren't looking. Um, This is, you know, everyone says recession might be coming. Recession might be coming. It doesn't come when you're creating this many jobs. And so that's good news for the economy. How about this for a number five? Five Five-year-olds got free copies in a Dallas Elementary School of Winnie uh, Winnie the Pooh book this week. And that's great, right? Except the book wasn't about the delightful world of Winnie and his friends. It was a stay safe book featuring images of the character ducking for cover and what to do during school shootings. That's a sign of the times. The parents got a little bit upset. They wound up pulling that book back. But it is a good reminder. Kids who are kids of that age, unfortunately, that's what they're being trained to do. And the debt limit vote you heard in, in the news report, in the intro, the, the debt limit has been increased. I actually talked a little about the debt deal in episode 32 of The Middle Unplugged, which is a podcast I have on the Red Upper Podcast Network. And you can go there for all the details. You've heard a lot about the details of it. So you've got to say, having averted the economic disaster that would have been a default and steering the ship of state carefully the way he did, saving us from the demise, you would have think this was a really great week for Joe Biden. But I'm here to argue that it was a disastrous week for him because of what is now called the fall. On Thursday, when he was presenting diplomas or he just finished handing out diplomas at the Air Force Academy graduation, he fell, he tripped over a sandbag or something. You know, I say to my Democratic friends and my, my, you know, and by the way, I, this was every, you know, this was everywhere here. People were talking about it on 77 all week. Saw it a lot on Fox News. My brother, you know, he's in, he's, he's like me as a progressive guy. He's in town, you know, because we're, we're kind of sitting vigil at my dad's bedside. He had not even seen any of this. The Daily News didn't even put in a picture of it. And the Post played it pretty big. I... This is the thing if there is a thing that can that can upend Joe Biden it is the fact that he's an 80-year-old man and he's not an 80-year-old man in great shape he's an 80-year-old man that sh- that shuffles places look i am a democrat i think that joe biden should be reelected i'm glad i think he can beat donald trump i get it i understand it but to my fellow democrats we are whistling past the graveyard You know, a couple of weeks ago at the G7 summit, he stumbled and caught himself. If you want to talk about what the enduring things are going to be in this campaign, it is not going to be someone talking about the debt deal of 2023 during the election. It's going to be ad after ad after ad of the president of the United States literally falling down. Now, I get it. There's a lot of people in this audience who are sharp as a tack at 80. You know, my dad. Sharp is attacking it. He's 89 now. But, I mean, I mean, this is not a small thing. You know, Rich Lowry in the New York Post, who is no friend of, he's, you know, he, to say it was tongue-in-cheek, you know, he he's like, you know, I, we know what his interests are. But he isn't completely wrong when he says that Democrats are completely blind to the possibility that the worst possible thing happens. You know, here's an example. Um... The Republican leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, he's 81, basically the same age. He fell, do you remember this? He fell a few months ago. He was out for months. He had to be hospitalized. No one had heard from him. The Senate basically ground to a standstill because he wasn't around. He had a cushion, a broken rib. Look, I get it. We are all living longer. Health care is amazing. But what what are we as... Democrats doing, except holding our breath. I mean, yeah, it's really great. I mean, and I've heard a couple of people say this. Who cares if he fell down? Look at the great week we had. He did this, he did that, he had this accomplishment. I am just saying that, and by the way, I'm going to get to Donald Trump's week after the break, but I just want to make the point that this is a little bit of a problem in that in addition to I was kind of succulent saying, all right, it's it's Donald Trump, it's it's, um, Joe Biden or nothing, is we've done nothing, we as a party, to elevate and bolster Kamala Harris. You know, they have the expression, you know, she's one heartbeat away from being the president. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, if you'd like to get in on this conversation. But. You know, she's been given – she hasn't been graded the responsibility she's been given. A lot of Democrats still don't know her. She was in town this week for a uh, DNC fundraiser, and I asked a few people who were there what they thought. And they said, she was fine. She was good. she's fine. But no one was like, you know, okay, I'm fired up. And what happens? I mean, in a practical sense, what happens? What happens if it's September of 2024? Convention's over, campaign's going. People are you know, traveling around. What happens if something happens? And so I say this is one of the worst weeks that Joe Biden has had in years in, I mean, uh, no, years, in the campaign trail and in, in his prospects, because I think very often we forget that of the, the people who are voting who is going to decide the presidency are not hardcore Democrats like me or my brother or most people who say, whoever whoever you put up on the Democratic line, we're going to support. And there's a lot of those people. But those people are not choosing the president. They're about 40% of the country. Republicans are about 40% on the other side. I mean, it's generous. Probably not that much, but that's what it comes down to. We're much more partisan than they used to be. But that 20%, the more casual voter, the more independent voter, the voter that's less inclined just to vote those to say that those people you know only care about what your record was what his accomplishments were you know the on the chips bill and on 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 the deficit reduction bill and 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 on uh, on these different you know on 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 the, the 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 most the the most far-reaching gun control law that we've had in a long time i mean all these things and, and pulling back the, the, the government from the brink of whatever by being an adult in the room. and Yes, these are all important things. They're good campaign things to, to put down. But this sense, is the guy ready? Is the guy got it together? I think we as Democrats underestimate why, that how much that matters. It's not just this thing about, you know, who votes and uh, about, about what kind of Bills he had passed and the like. I mean, he's. I mean, look, I, I I don't have a really great. I don't have a really great idea of what to do, except to say that we could be stuck. Stuck. And also to say, that Kamala Harris is basically, you know, and it's funny, you know, I hear a, a lot of the chatter going on, you know. Kamala Harris, she's had a rough thing. She's had a little bit of turnover in office, but not a lot. I mean, a lot of people in Washington are staring at Kamala Harris and saying, listen, given what's going on, you know, Democrats are are very weird about this. They they say, oh, don't worry about about, uh, Biden's health. But then suspiciously, they're all very into getting close to Kamala Harris. And is she ready for prime time? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, let's let's diagram it a little bit. The president of the United States strides onto a stage in Michigan in September of 2024. Trips gets a little gash on his head. I mean, (laughs) that could be the election. Remember when Hillary went to a 9-11, you know, we went to a 9-11 commemoration. Huma was there. And she had a, she, she wasn't feeling great. She had coming off of, I mean, I've got some real inside stuff on this. I mean, she, I think she had a flu. She wasn't feeling, it's funny. I think that, that Huma was home at the time because she wasn't, you know, in, in 2020, she wasn't bodying. She wasn't the person anymore who was at Hillary's side all the time. She was the, 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 the the vice chair of the campaign. And she got a call and said, you know, Hillary's not feeling well. She's, she's bailing on the and going, you know, going to the next one or going to take a nap or something. It was a big deal. It was such a big deal that it started all these conspiracy theories thereafter that the p- person that the, 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 that a fake Hillary Clinton was being propped up. It was a big deal. And it was an election that was won by one or two points. I don't know, Anthony Weiner's laptop. I don't know. I mean, Hillary passing on on 9-11 wasn't great either. So if you start to look at this dynamic, just visualize it in your head for a second. Campaigns going on. Polls are close, they're gonna be close. It's Donald Trump, these guys, you know, they're they're basically, you know, locked in this battle. All Republicans are already running ads about how we, can we risk it. Can we, you know, who's gonna be there to stand up for your kids if he's not able to do it? He trips, falls, a little gash in his head. No big deal. No big deal. But I'll tell you this. If you think that Donald Trump had a good week last week, I got news for you. I think he actually had a worse week than Joe Biden did. After the break, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But 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 just f- for this moment, my Democratic friends who are out there, it's going to be Joe Biden. He, he won't even have a debate with these these two. I mean, honestly, I've been looking at... R.F.K. Junior. and and Williamson. By the way, Williamson's seventy eight two or something like that. And 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 R.F.K. Junior. is like one taco short of a happy meal, one fry short of a happy meal, one taco short of a combo. I don't know, mix that one up. So they're not going to. He's probably not going to debate that. This might be what we get. And if you think, well, we'll just pluck someone else off the sidelines, Gavin Newsom or Hillary Clinton or whoever, we'll just pluck, or Murphy in New Jersey, these guys who want to be president. That's not the way this works. The president goes down in September in, in most states in the union. I think almost all of them. That ballot stays Joe Biden. What do we do? I mean, we as Democrats have to have a conversation with him. I know he's getting hammered here on on, on 77. He's getting they make fun of him on Fox. They, the president, uh, you, you know, like they, the, he he's getting roughed up. You know, the New York Post made it the, their lead up page for like all day. My, but interestingly, my brother, who's pretty tight tied, tied into things, hadn't even seen it a day later. Why? Because my team is like ah, no big deal. You know what the real reason is we have that attitude? We can't figure out what to do about it. I mean, we like the guy. We think he's doing a good job. God willing, he gets another four years. But he's 80 years old. He shuffles when he walks. He came into this with with, uh, uh, with a speech affectation, a speech impediment as a result of his, his stutter when he, when he was growing up. And you might say, why does any of that matter? What we want is a competent government. That's what I'm going to say. When I have my debates with Curtis or anyone else or Andrew Giuliani or whoever else I debate around here on behalf of Joe Biden, that's what I'm going to say. But believe me, it is a mistake not to kind of see this as a real liability, not just for the party, but for the country. I mean, imagine if you, you know, I mean, he, he tripped at the G7, caught himself, I. I mean, this is part of deciding who should be president is not just what positions you He's like. Are you, are you, are you ready to do it? And I look, I think he is. And as I'm going to explain when we get back from the break, there are things that his opponent has going on that aren't so great either. But listen, if we're, if you, if you want to talk about whistling past the graveyard, not to be too literal about it, that's what Democrats are doing right now. It's great to have you along on the middle 800 eight four eight WABC if you want to get in the queue. I'm gonna be here until three o'clock. Curtis Lee will comes in for left versus right. We're gonna talk about the CUNY speech. I have a little different position than him on that. It's great to have you along and we'll see you on the other side.
0: is the middle with anthony Weiner, 77 wabc i've heard you on my wireless back in 52 lying awake in tens and tuning in on you if i was young it didn't stop you coming through oh, oh. they took
1: And welcome back to the middle. Presidents of the United States of America. That's their version of the the Buggle song. See, this is why Kevin George is so good at his job. I was going to play a different version of that. And he says, listen, you're doing a thing about the presidential election. That's why This this is why we are the most powerful radio station in the nation. We have the A-team here with us. We have Matt, Ava, Kevin. Everyone's helping me out. I appreciate it because I actually am not 100%. And anyone who's had this kind of pain, this sciatic pain, like you're comfortable when you sit, but if you sit for too long and then stand up, it's like someone is shooting you in the leg. And that's what I got going on. So I talked about why everyone is saying, oh, Joe Biden had a great week and he's giving a speech from the Oval Office and he's taking a victory lap because they averted disaster. He had a great week. No, he did not. He literally fell on his face. But what about the guy who is going to be his opponent? And I say that with some certitude. I mean, I've been saying for months that while Democrats may want a different candidate, Republicans may want a different candidate, the country may want different candidates. The way this is lining up, it's going to be Trump versus Joe Biden, 45 versus 46. And in many ways, you would think Donald Trump had a great week because his primary opponent, Ron DeSantis, has come out from from Florida, now he's actually waging a campaign. And when you're on a campaign trail, you get to learn a lot about someone. There's a lot of opportunities to make mistakes. And what is the beef on Ron DeSantis? The beef on Ron DeSantis has been that he's just not good at this, at campaigning. That that's not his thing. And that's what you got to do when you're in Iowa. You you got to walk around and 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 have you know pork chop on a stick at a state fair and stuff like that. And that he's a snippy little guy too. I say little because he apparently wears. High heels. So he goes to an event in New Hampshire. And there's a gaggle of reporters around him. And, well, why don't, you, why don't you listen? This is how it was set up. I think this is from MSNBC. This is how they set it up.
2: And coming off two days of barnstorming through Iowa, Ron DeSantis today is in New Hampshire. And he got a little testy. The Florida governor snapped this morning when a reporter questioned his willingness to field voters'
3: questions.
0: Governor, how come
3: you're
2: not taking questions from voters? No, coming up to me talking to me. What are you talking about? I'm not here working with people. Are you are you blind? What? Are you blind? I'm not blind. Okay, so people are coming up to me talking to me
1: whatever they want to talk to me about. Yeah, now it was a little hard to hear what you're he saying. Are you blind? Are you blind? I'm taking questions like people are coming up to me and talking to me. let me give you some back background on that. The event that he was at in New Hampshire New Hampshire is famous. They they love this about themselves that they do everything town hall style. When you speak, you take questions. And at this event for generations, people at this particular event, the candidate stands up there and then they get peppered with questions. He didn't take any questions. That's why the reporter asked him that. But whenever you have a journalist describing you as a little testy, again, this is not just residents of New Hampshire. This is the whole country kind of feeling you out as, as it relates to, you know, who, uh, you know, do you have the stuff necessary? And if being asked that question makes him say, are you blind? I got to tell you, that's good for Donald Trump because that tells me that the kind of stuff that Donald Trump does, which is take runs at people, that he's going to be eating a lot of Donald Trump's punches in the next few, uh, But Donald Donald Trump, and I am no fan, and I think sometimes it gets exaggerated. Him as a brilliant tactician, he's so good at what he does. But there is one thing I'm noticing him doing. He is going right at anything that DeSantis perceives as his strengths. That's not always what candidates do, just like what a a sports team might do. You might not go with the other team's strength, but that's what Donald Trump is doing. And I did an episode of The Middle Unplugged, I don't know when it was, a couple of months ago where I argued that this whole thing about woke, using woke as this cudgel, is not as effective as some people would think it is. And Donald Trump, in I think a very smart tactical move, is going directly at DeSantis where DeSantis lives. Listen to this.
0: It's gone sick. And I don't like the term woke because I hear woke, woke, woke. You know, it's like just a term that use half the people can't even define it. They don't know what it
1: is. He's exactly right. If he, if Donald Trump takes woke out of Desantis's quiver and says, yeah, you know, I'm going to make that word something, you know, that people like, hey, what does that even mean? What is DeSantis left? I mean, he says woke every third word. So Donald Trump had a great week, right? Oh, no. Donald Trump had a brutal week because if you're a supporter of Donald Trump and you're a Republican who sees the handwriting on the wall, Donald Trump is going to be the candidate. What is the thing you're most afraid of? I told you what Democrats are most afraid of. One of these investigations really turning into something at the worst time. And even the president's strongest supporters, like Alan Dershowitz, for example, has said that the most difficult, strongest case against Donald Trump, of the many that there are, is not this thing in New York. It's not even this elector's case that they're doing in Georgia. It is the document thing in um, the the document case from Mar-a-Lago and now Ben Mister. And what does that come down to? Now, before you even get started, the Justice Department this week announced that, that um, Mike Pence wasn't going to be prosecuted for the stuff that they had. There is an independent prosecutor looking at Joe Biden stuff. But w- the thing that's there is a there is a grand jury that had been um, that had been seated. So look at Donald Trump stuff and Donald Trump's lawyers and Donald Trump himself has said that I can't, you know, you can get me for, for like documents that I had that maybe I shouldn't have had the presidential records act, but I didn't do anything inappropriate with these classified documents because I declassified them as president. They weren't classified documents anymore. Well, this week we learned that there is a recording. That captures Donald Trump in July of 2021, discussing a document he says that was a war plan for confronting Iran. He was, he was discussing it with a couple of researchers for a book that was going to be done about, um, his former chief of staff. And on that recording, Donald Trump says, according to all these reports, says that he says to, to these people, I, 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 I missed my chance to declassify this. He acknowledges in his own voice that the document that uh he had was not declassified. He said it himself in the conversation. And he's talking about Iranian war plans with two researchers for a book. And uh, you might be wondering, well, why was he why was he talking about that? It's because he wanted to show that what people have said is that he won what he was going to attack Iran wasn't true, that this guy, General Mark Milley, is lying or whatever it is. He's trying to settle a score. So this document, this Iranian war plan document, not only was in the president's possession, not only was he showing it to someone, but he acknowledges it wasn't classified. He says I didn't classify it in time or something like that. His whole argument is that he is that they were declassified. And then yesterday comes the kicker. They can't find the document. The president's lawyers went back to the Justice Department yesterday and said, we can't find this document he's talking about. This is the smoking gun. This is the, I declassified it in my brain. I didn't tell anyone. I did it on the plane on the way back. This is him saying that he knows it's not declassified and he's showing it to them anyway. And by the way, since it's a war plan, this is a whole different law now. There are certain categories of documents that if you reveal, have an even stiffer penalty. I'm not going to get hysterical, but death is one of them. So what is the nightmare scenario for Donald Trump? The nightmare scenario is an audio tape of him coming out saying, I've got a document here that's, not, that's, that's classified. That I didn't cl- declassify it in time or – I mean, it's not really clear from the news stories what the exact words are. And this is on top of everything else. This is on top of a Mar-a-Lago maintenance worker telling prosecutors that, the, that he moved boxes before the Justice Department showed up. That's on top of security footage that apparently shows that there was an attempt to doctor this. the footage to, for some reason. And after months of back and forth, Trump eventually turned over 15 boxes of material with 200 documents more classified. And even then, it turned out that there were more. But mishandling documents, okay, that's one thing. But revealing a classified document of this sort and then losing it, it was a war plan on how to attack Iran. This is the Republicans' version of the nightmare scenario. What do you do if if... This guy who's, I think he's going to, you know, win the early primaries. He's, what do you do if, if there's a, uh, uh, the, violations of the Espionage Act? And people can say, oh, it's, 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 it's big government, you know, the, the deep state trying to get him. Oof. This is bad. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. When we come back, we'll get some calls. The board is all full up. I, 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 you know, I've been on a little bit of a filibuster here. I do want to hear what you have to say. 800-848-9222. This, I'm calling the very bad week for Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I want to hear what you have to say. And We'll be back with you on the middle on the other side.
3: And now I understand the supernova scene.
0: It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.
1: And welcome back to The Middle. That's the Go-Go's. So we're talking about the challenges this week that both Trump and Biden have run into. Let's get to some calls. I know a lot of people are passionate about this stuff. I'm also interested if anyone has an answer, like what do you do about it? It seems like we're stuck with these guys. These are going to be the nominees. Not much we can do about it in my view. Let's see. Let's go to Melanie and Danbury. Melanie, welcome aboard. Okay. Hi. Hi, Anthony. Hi.
2: Um, I'm Melanie from Danbury. You are. And um, I'm in the middle. Let's put it that way. Oh, you and me both. Yeah, okay. So it's, that's what it's like. It's like you're stuck. Like I'm stuck with my back right now. Like everything's like tight on me and this and that. But so I I don't know what to do. Like I'm asking you, I mean, I'm kind of asking you, but you've grown on me because Curtis is my good friend, you know, just on the radio kind of thing. And I'm thinking, well, what do we do yeah, well, no, you,
1: you, you are, you see, Melanie, you, you're, by the way, thank you very much for the call, but you, your sense of kind of like, you know, how do you get out of this quantity? I think one thing that we should demand is that the Democrats hold their debates, because Biden said he's not going to do one, even if they're with minor candidates, and that Trump participate in the Republican debates, even though he said he's not going to. At the very least... We should hear what they have to say about these questions because they're going to get raised. I mean, that's what I think. Let's go to Alan Yonkers. Al, welcome back.
3: Yeah, hello, Congressman. Uh, my thoughts with you and your brother at this time uh, with your dad's situation. Thank you. I hope appreciate better. it. No, of course. You know, I just wanted to say uh, I agree with you. Uh, you made a lot of uh, sense today with uh, talking about uh, President Biden and former uh, President Trump's situations politically uh, you know, I agree with you. The president's fall in Colorado was a serious problem. Uh, you know, we've seen presidents in the past who were accident-prone. Uh, you know, we remember Chevy Chase with the uh, making the gaffes about President Ford. Uh, he was – you know, he had a lot of falls himself. Well, the pro- but,
1: yeah, funny thing – I'll, and I'll let you finish. But the funny thing about Ford is Ford was arguably the most athletic president we've ever had.
3: That's you, right. That's right. But go ahead. Continue. Yeah, I, of course. You know, so – I think that's why, as you know, and a lot of people have been saying, uh, political people who know politics, that's why last night, which was very rare, I don't think you ever see it, that a president on a Friday night in the summer addressed the nation from the Oval Office because his advisor said, look, you have to get on TV and show the nation that you have what it takes to just finish your two years left, one and a half, and then see if you have what it takes for a grueling re-election for four more years.
1: Yep, Al, I think you are are exactly right. I think that that was performance of a victory lap for the debt thing, which is fine, but I do think there was this, like, let's get some other image out there so that the TVs can focus on something else. Let's go to Pamela, New Jersey. Pamela, welcome aboard.
2: Oh, thank you. Good afternoon. Um, I think uh, the Trump audio is probably an AI audio fake, just like the Russian hoax
3: dossier.
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, it 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 could be except what's going to happen is that someone recorded that. We have a pretty good idea of who recorded it and we have a pretty good idea that they testified to the veracity of it. Like whenever you introduce in a court proceeding any recording, you've got to you've got to, you know, say where it came from and understand where it came from. And I think in this case, I have it written down somewhere in my notes who oh the meeting was recorded uh, – uh, a small number of aides, including Margo Martin, who routinely sat in on recorded book interviews granted by Mr. Trump, were present as well. Ms. Martin was subpoenaed to appear before the grand jury hearing evidence the case in March. So, you know, according to a person – I'm reading for the New York Times now – according to a person familiar with the situation, investigators had the recording of the meeting before Ms. Martin's appearance. So, look, I mean, AI that is going to be a conversation we're going to have in the future. Are things real? Are they not real? But in this case – um, they not only have an audio tape if it's true, but they also have the person that, that recorded it. Um, next, let's go to, uh, to Joe. Joe in Queens, you've been hanging on for a while. Go ahead, bud.
0: Yeah. Hi. Uh, Mr. Weiner.
2: I really love your, uh, show. Thank you. I think you. it's really smart analysis. No spin, both sides of the story. I love hearing from centrists because that's what they do. Um, yeah, I'm a, um, Progressive liberal, Democrat by uh, default. But I am just so horrified by the presidency of uh, Biden. I call myself a never Bidener. From back when, you know, in the primary, I couldn't believe that they would pick this guy out of all, out of everyone. He is, he is a catastrophe. And I cannot see him beating Trump or any, any, or DeSantis or anyone.
1: Well, I don't know about the last part. I mean, we we know he's done it before. We know now that he has a record that he can compare. I don't see much that has changed in the electorate to make me think, okay, it's going to be different in 24 than it was in 22. And I'll tell you what else. And I, uh, than it wasn't 20, rather. I'll tell you what else. What has Donald Trump been doing? for the For the three years since he left office, except saying that the election was rigged, election was rigged, election was rigged, you know what that does that de- that depresses the turnout of his supporters. If they think that the election these elections are rigged, they're not going to show up to say he made the same mistake in 2020 by by calling question about paper ballots. So a lot of Republicans you know didn't fill them out. Look, I think Biden's Biden would beat Trump if they if Biden's upright and taking nourishment. I mean, there's this, I think that 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 part we can debate, but I'm, I mean, he's going to be the nominee and that's, the bigger problem is that he's going to be the nominee. By the way, speaking of Trump, did you, did you see this week his, he criticized his former press secretary because she got something wrong. She's a host on, on Fox now. And it got me, he called her Milk Toast. He spelled it wrong. I think it's spelled with a Q, U. I think Matt Meany seems to agree with me, but who knows? But I I started to do some research. This is a partial list of the names that Donald Trump has called the people he appointed to work for the U.S. government. He called his former secretary of state dumb as a rock. He called multiple chiefs of staff born losers way over his head. Multiple attorney generals were called coward, disaster. A defense secretary was called weak. One was called overrated. His former Joint Chiefs of Staff, and these are the words of Donald Trump, the guy that hired these people. His former Chief of Staff was called an effing idiot. His former National Security Advisor, he called a moron. I told you about milk toast. Before his White House party, he called a milk, milk toast. His former top communication day, he called a sleaze bag. The current uh, FBI director he called disappointing. That's not so bad. And of course, he called his old vice president, no courage. You know, it does kind of make you Someone's gonna ask him a question sooner or later. Why why do you hire these lousy people? You're supposed to be such a great manager. You hired these people that that apparently are not uh are not very good at their jobs. All right, let's get back let's get back to the calls here. Um John in Long Island, go ahead, John. Thank you for calling us.
0: Hey Anthony, how are you? I'm good, John. Uh appreciate your panache. I always like your panache. You're uh Thank you. you're a good guy. Uh listen, teeter, hang up for your back. Hang on that teeter, hang up, and now I'm gonna say something you're not gonna like. Okay. Um you're, you just made some comments about what Trump says about his people. At least he could make comments about his people. Joe Biden is an empty vessel. He's not running the country. The world On the world stage, we are weak. You call it a def, uh, an, an inflation-lowering act? It hasn't
1: done that. It's done nothing. Well, let's do the world stage thing. John, before you go on, I, I'm going to let you finish. But let's do the world stage thing. NATO is actually two members more since, uh, Donald, since uh, Joe Biden took office. He's managed to keep this coalition together to fight a war on our behalf against one of our prime enemies. I mean, I think we're doing much better on the world stage.
0: We're doing better on the world stage by, by dumping millions and millions of dollars to Ukraine, where we can't even trace what's actually even going there.
1: Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. But, yeah, we're giving guns and armaments to an ally to fight our enemy without putting a single U.S. troop on the ground. It's the best possible scenario.
0: They're moving against our currency currently. They're aligning to replace our currency. That's a Chinese, people. Can I tell
1: Trump. you, John? John, for you, that's what they said about the euro. Don't worry, the dollar's going to be fine. Don't, don't, don't go put all your money in, in 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 Chinese in Chinese currency. Don't worry about it. Everyone wants to move against our currency. We are the we are the reserve currency in the world. You know how we know that? The Chinese want to own our debt. The, everyone wants to own our debt. The Saudis want it because they, their their money is worth nothing at the end of the day. I mean, I get that people don't like Joe Biden. I get it. But to say that we're weaker on the world stage, Donald Trump tried to dismantle NATO. He says, why do we even need NATO? You know what we're watching right now? Why we need NATO. And for people who think that funding Ukraine is a sign of weakness, what's the alternative? These are Russia. These are our enemies. This is the dream scenario. We have a vigorous ally who's fighting against our enemy. People say, oh, it's a proxy war. Hell, yes, it's a proxy war. That's the best kind of war. The best kind of war is one that you're not doing it yourself. You're not sending our troops into harm's way. Is it? Look, think about it for a minute. We have the most powerful military in the world, right? But we have to be very careful how we use it. We've got a, 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 over, over 2 million men and women under, under arms who, who, who have the, the patches of our country on their arm. but We have to be careful how we use it, right? What's the best possible scenario? Those armaments are in someone else's hands fighting an undisputed enemy of the United States of America, and that's Russia. If you're not prepared to do that, what are you prepared to do? Seriously. And people say, "Oh, China's—we got to worry about China. We got to worry about China. Worry. What does that mean? What it means is that someday we may have to stand up to China in Taiwan or somewhere else. Yes, I, I might be. We have a big military for that reason. And and in this in this, you know, people fighting over over the the debt limit, they wouldn't t- even touch defense spending. I'm not saying you can't find savings there, but you know, to say, oh, well, we, you know, Joe Biden has made us weaker on the world stage. NATO is actually bigger than it was." Putin got into this war because he wanted to weaken NATO, and look what happened. Made it stronger. Look, Joe Biden's got a good record. Not a perfect record, but a good record. He's gotten stuff done in a very divided world. We can debate that. I'm I'm willing to debate that. One thing is hard to debate is that the guy's, you know, the guy's fit enough to be doing this job. Who am I to talk? When we go to commercial, I'm going to have to walk around the studio because I got such a bad back. I'm a 58 year old guy, who's like hunched over, like, uh. Anyway. I doubt So when we come back, we'll take a few more calls. And at the top of the hour, Curtis Lee will also has his things going on. I guess training for some boxing match. I mean, good grief. He's going to be in the red corner, by the way. We'll see you on the other side.
0: is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Welcome back to the middle. I'm
1: Anthony Weiner. So great to have you along. A little bit of a cloudy day outside. It looks like it wants to rain. Hope it doesn't. I got a bike. Bike. Home. You know, the, the thing about my back, or my now it's kind of my leg, is that I can bike. That, that I can do. It's the walking that's that's hard to do. Getting a few people texting me with their ideas. I saw a back surgeon. and He's like, look, just gotta, just gotta take it easy. Whatever. Gave me a whole bunch of different things to take for it. Uh, the toughest the toughest thing is at night, because when you, I don't know, I don't, well, listen to how I say, you know, on the other stations in town, they have these, like, guys that talk about health things all day on these paid shows. That's not what we do here. We do live and local, and we're talking about the election of 2024 here, 800-848-WABC, 800 I'm Anthony Weiner. The show is called The Middle because we tried to talk about the Venn diagram that exists in this country, where we have people on the left, we have people on the right. But we also have people who are like, kind of willing to be political and partisan and say, "I'm a conservative guy," but still, I'm interested in what's really going on. I'm willing to take a, a real look at things, and that's what I try to encourage here on the show. And the callers usually, usually take that invitation. The callers usually are like, "Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm open to both sides, but here's the here's the place that I come down." And so I appreciate those calls. And let's get back to those calls. Uh, first, let's go to Stu in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Stu.
0: Anthony, I am disgusted at what I'm hearing. Both sides, we're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, a possible war with China. Tomorrow is the 81st anniversary of the Battle of Midway, which was a naval victory and turned the course of the war in the Pacific during World War II. If we were to get involved in a war with the Chinese Navy today, we would lose. We would lose because we failed to recognize that they have weapons that we cannot counter. And I weigh that problem to the imbeciles running the military at this point at every level, including the Department of Defense, which I have a grudge against on a number of occasions. But,
1: Stuby, before you go into your grudge with the Department of Defense, why do you think we're having a war with China? Just because you – why? Because people say that? Who? China doesn't want a war. China doesn't want to war with the United States of America. It would collapse their economy.
0: You sound like Trump. Doesn't just, want to that's, that, that,
1: doesn't that, want to that, that, that's, that's what you can say. That's what, that's what you can say, Stu, about anyone who thinks that. Look, China has economic interests that believe it or not are deeply entwined with ours. They have a great deal of their, of, of our debt is held by them. They put their money here because it's safe. They're trying to expand economically all around the world by building things in countries, giving countries money loans at at exorbitant rates. They're trying to expand their influence. It's not in their interest to be having a a shooting war. Now, it is in the interest of hysterical people on on Fox News and on talk radio to try to make – look, there is a desire for conflict. In the way we talk about media things and the way we talk about foreign affairs, the way look, there's plenty of real conflict. We don't need to invent any. Now, it's not easy. We do have aggression by the Chinese, you know, saber rattling around Taiwan that's going on forever. Honestly, ever since Taiwan declared independence, this is this saber rattling has been going on. And ever since it declared independence, we've had the same position, Democrat and Republican um, um, administration. Don't go to war with China. Don't let people motivate you by fear. Because that's what goes on. Let's go to Dean in New Jersey. Dean, what do you have to say? Yeah, you know what
2: I have to say. I, I I I tell my friends they gotta listen to you. I'm I'm a conservative Republican, I'm not really a Republican, but conservative. And I tell them they have to listen to you because listen, this guy is so smart and so so honest now that I think he's going to be he's going to turn into a conservative. <laughs> and and, and if, if 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 you like the way you're doing it now, the way you're talking about Russia, the way you're talking about the, the Ukraine and China, yeah, I, I'm happy. But if you think I was like cringing because I got some people listening to you. If you think Biden is actually making the decisions that are happening now, whether you like him or not, it is not Biden. He's not just having physical difficulties. He's having mental difficulties. But, you know, I, I've he's heard just, people
1: say that before, and a previous caller said that. What, what, I mean, I see it. What is that based on? Here's what it's
2: based on. When was the last time that he had a press conference that he was taking actual hard hard questions from, like you say, DeSantis, right? He gets a little little thing there, he gets
1: testy, but at least he has something yeah, to d- Yeah, Biden does not do many press conferences, and when he does them, he's lousy. But but where do you get to say he's not making decisions, though? It, well, he's not making those decisions, Anthony. Listen, I, I really like listening to you. I disagree with a lot of it, but you make sense. I appreciate yes. it, Dean. I, yeah. I appreciate it. I mean, look, there's you can say a lot of... Uh, Joe Biden is old. 80 years old, even though a lot of our listeners are older than that and are still, you know, punching punching way beyond their weight and kicking out their coverage or whatever the expression is. And you can say there are things we can see there. And and, and and he, and there's no doubt about it, he's not great at taking questions and not great at, at press conferences and stumbles over his words. And, and I'm sure they're protecting him in that way. But this whole idea that he's not making any decisions, we don't, I mean, look, I, maybe someone has some evidence of that. It's just something people say. Um, and, and by the way, if that's the the worst thing that you can say about him, that's not so bad. Listen, I appreciate, you know, look, I, I entered into this conversation just to kind of say, we had these, these weeks that if you were supporters of the two guys, you'd say, eh, hey, they weren't so bad. And I think in both cases, Democrats are not really looking at their own guy that carefully. And I think Republicans aren't. You know, although they know the flaws with Donald Trump, I don't think they, they realize that there's these outside forces that are getting more and more scary that could impact the election. And at least the Republicans have a strong, vibrant field of people to kind of maybe pick up the pace a little bit and close the gap. Democrats, we, we we got no plan B. Speaking about plan B, let's go to the top of the hour. And at the top of the hour, you're going to hear from my friend Curtis Lee and me. We have left versus right. We talk about the issues of the day. We're going to talk about the controversial CUNY speech, and Curtis, one of the most pro-animal rights person, people you're ever going to hear from, is thought, wants to talk about saving the whales. And also, the Mets and the Yankees look like they're figuring out how to win again. What could be wrong? Thank you so much for joining me. God bless America, and we'll see you on the other side.
0: Yeah, we can